What is up? What is going on, everybody? This week, Matthew Broderick is stuffing ballot boxes and Reese Witherspoon is getting stuffed. We'll talk about it on the other side of the song. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of The Threequel. As always, I am one of your three co-hosts, Ethan Klein, and here with me, as always, Mike Duranik and Brad Miller. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Doing all right. Looking forward to we can watch a couple more movies that we enjoy a little bit more than these last couple that we've watched. I've got to say, I appreciate you guys picking uh, Hellboy last week and then this movie this week. And, and here's why. I started thinking that I was just uh, having some recency bias because we were watching so many movies that were ranking so high on the list. But you proved me proved me wrong. Uh, no recency bias last week. No recency bias this week. Um, they, they came in on the, the bottom half, we'll, we'll say, of the list. Uh, yeah. Um, I... I can't say anything else except for the affirmative um we are talking about 1999's election uh star matthew broderick and reese witherspoon and we'll get into all that uh good stuff in a little bit but uh i have to ask this question because i am so curious uh gentlemen what your first experience was with election was it in the theaters in 1999 did you catch it later on tv what did you bring into uh, this rewatch, uh, Brad, I know it is a rewatch for you, Mike. This may have been your first time seeing it. I'm not sure, but uh, what what was that that first experience for you guys? I did see it in the theaters uh, in '99. Uh, I believe I went with my girlfriend at the time. We checked it out. I I think it was. This is probably the third time I've seen it because I think I watched it one other time, maybe a couple years later in college, and then I haven't seen it since probably. 2001 or two um but yeah this was a theater trip for me in 99 so for me the the first time i saw this was actually a a year ago and i can tell you that because i'm pretty sure that this was nearly brad's pick for this month last year and then at the last second he audibled but um for whatever reason then it popped up on one of the streaming services at that time and uh, i was like oh well i might as well just watch that and so i watched it for the first time a year ago um and then got the uh, the privilege of rewatching it this year to get ready for uh, actually recording this podcast with you guys. Uh, this was my first time seeing Election. Um, again, yeah, it, it was up uh, to be talked about a year ago. We switched at the last second, and I believe the switch was to Mud uh, by Matthew McConaughey. So, uh, not by Matthew McConaughey, starring Matthew McConaughey. Um, so, I think. It's fair. We just have to judge this movie specifically against the quality of mud. Um, that that is the bar that needed to be met uh, for this to be a successful uh, week here on the threequel. Um, so let's get into it. You know, I said who this starred: Matthew McConaughey, Reese Witherspoon are the two leads of this film. Uh, not Matthew McConaughey. Man, I'm just this. <laughs> This movie broke me, guys. This, this poor, poor Matthew McConaughey is—he's uh, taken a beating in this yeah. podcast already. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. This movie just—it uh, messed me up. Matthew Broderick uh, led this film, 
Uh, and, you know, of course, what everyone goes to, so it's not even worth asking, um, he is the live-action version of Inspector Gadget. Uh, that is why Matthew Broderick has a career. Um, probably the success of this film led to him getting such a star-making role as Inspector. I kid, uh, Brad, I kid. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Like, uh, it has to be that. It always will be that. Um, is there even another option for, for why we know and even, you know, have love for Matthew Broderick? Yeah, his his wife, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, um, will probably keep him in the uh, you know she'll probably keep him in the limelight in the in the center. Uh, two words, even adult Simba. Well, yes, of course, of course. So when I hear Matthew Broderick's voice, that's where I go. I, I would also just in addition to what you said, Brad, throw out War Games, one of his earlier. Uh, movies from the, the early 80s, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it, it's clearly Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and then, um, you know, I mean, he's he's had a good career, he's been in a lot of things, uh, but I don't know that he's done anything uh, close to that memorable. Uh, I mean, yeah, Ferris Bueller's definitely the most memorable. Um, adult Simba will always hold a place in my heart, and I know how much, Mike, you enjoy The Lion King as well. The best performance I've ever seen him give um just on dramatic weight uh glory which is an often forgotten war film it just kind of i don't know just kind of gets pushed to the side but uh, i think glory's really really good and i think he's fantastic in it um you know acting off of i think that's what got denzel his first ever nomination um and morgan freeman's in that and uh, i think that's really really good so i did want to mention that but it, it, you know of course ferris bueller will always be uh what put him you know, really on the map. Mike, you mentioned war games, but that, that was the kind of shot him into superstardom. So has him, I mean, this movie, you know, is not for lack of star studded talent, right? Because on the other side of that coin uh, leading this film is Reese Witherspoon. Um, now, when I ask you, what is Reese Witherspoon's peak? Uh, you know, th- you can go so many different ways. Because she is such a superstar um, that hasn't worked as much the last few years as she did, obviously, in the year 2000s. But she is a superstar through and through. Um, and, and I'm curious where you guys go with this, because you know me, the, the love that I have for Walk the Line, that will always be she's never put out a better performance. She never will put out a better performance. I'm always going to go with June Carter in that. That doesn't necessarily mean that that is where your mind goes to. So I'm curious where you guys head. Uh, when I say the name Reese Witherspoon, I'm going back th- her her filmography. I think that uh, probably for me, I mean, I didn't enjoy the movies, but probably Blonde um, is what she's most famous for. Um, uh, American uh, American Psycho and um, Sweet Home Alabama are a couple that uh, that stand out, but uh, I think. For me, the if push comes to shove, and you said pick one, it was probably with with Mark Wahlberg, simply for probably the age I was when it came out, and um, you know, there's some scenes in that are that are a little bit racy with her, and um, I remember just kind of being surprised by her performance. Um, one of the ones that I probably enjoyed the most because it's you know it's just than a lot of the things that she's in. Uh, I'd go with uh, Little Nicky. 
<laughs> All right. No, I mean, you guys said everything correct. I, I think Legally Blonde is where my mind goes, even though I'm, I'm not a fan of those. I think her best performance is Walk the Line, and there's a handful of other movies I've seen in between that uh, I can readily kind of pull and say, okay, she was in that movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's she's just always been a huge success. Um, lately, it seems like she's been more selective, but she's gotten nominated a couple more times within the last few years. So still a powerhouse. And uh, we got Legally Blonde 3 on the way, guys. It's in pre-production, so uh, get excited for that. Um, the other name that at least stands out to me, uh, Chris Klein, and that's just because of American Pie, obviously. And I, would just always, I would just always recognize that face. Um, I do quite enjoy him in uh, We Were Soldiers, if anyone's ever seen that. And he's actually pretty darn good in that dramatically. But um, that's going to be American Pie. Really, nobody else in this movie stands out to me as like, we need to talk about that person. I don't know if you guys had anything else. Yeah, there's no one else really that stands out. But I want to say like... I know this movie is not entertaining to the level that some of her other movies are, but her performance in this was actually really good. Like she is able to take you back. I'm sure we could all think of someone in our high school that was similar to Tracy flick. And like, she just makes you not like her. She does a really good job of like nails on a chalkboard personality. Um, and I think if this movie had been better or maybe um, aged better um, than it did, um, I think that this is something that she could be talked about for. It's a pretty good performance overall by her as, as Tracy Flick. Yeah, uh, agreed. So flipping behind the camera then, we have Alexander Payne. This is pretty interesting. This is uh, one of those times that when I saw the name, nothing clicked for me in my head um but going through uh he's had a really successful career now i mean my opinion of this movie aside which we'll get to um about schmidt got a nomination for jack nicholson sideways uh got a ton of love uh both critically uh and commercially uh as just one of those movies that's just always had a big following the descendants got nominated for a ton of Academy Awards, led by George Clooney. Nebraska is a small indie film that got nominated for a ton of things as well. So for a majority of this guy's career, not that he's done a ton, but when he does do something, it gets pretty well received at the highest levels with the Academy. So I don't know if any of those movies out to you guys, but I was shocked when I clicked on it because I didn't really know his name that well. And then just the things that he has, uh, I couldn't believe that they were all from him. Gotcha. I, I enjoyed about Schmidt and Sideways in particular, but would have had no way of connecting him to his uh, to his name. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, Mike, I agree. I think that those a couple of those movies, especially Sideways, is really good. Um, I watched Nebraska, uh, my style of film that I would go back to often, but it was it was really well done. Um, good movie there. I have not seen The Descendants, um, so I'm not real familiar with uh, his work, but I know critically. Um, a lot of these movies are received very well. So pretty good director um, when it comes to, you know, like I said, that, that critical, critical stuff that people are judging him on. Yeah, he has, I mean, so total 
Um, he's got six nominations to his name, uh, and he won for the screenplay of Sideways and for the screenplay of The Descendants. So, um, and this was his first nomination. This movie did get nominated for Best Writing. Uh, well, we can get into it. Um, let's let's transition into that by playing the Rotten Tomatoes game. And then we can have a conversation about this movie as a whole, because I think it'll be interesting wherever this ends up. And as I am playing against Mike this week in the game, I do not know where this is sitting at in Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so I think that could be a good lead in to kind of some of our thoughts on the film. So, Mike, kick us off. Uh, two-time defending champion, uh, Mike Duranic of the Rotten Tomatoes game. Uh, what is the sitting score for election? Well, I had this... I was going to go with exactly uh, exactly what I did last week for Hellboy at 75 until you said that this was nominated for writing. Did I hear you say that correct? It was. It got nominated for Best Screenplay. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, I'm going to guess it's not that low then. So with that additional information in there, I'm going to uh, move it. I'll move it up 10 points. I'm going to put it at 85. That's where we'll, we'll go this week. Um. Now I'm wishing I hadn't have told you that it was nominated um, because I knew that information and there was no reason for me to just share it um, in terms of the game. I, man, I'm going to say 84. I, I, I mean, I, I feel like this thing is probably resting maybe around the same place that Hellboy was for very different reasons. If this thing is still sitting up in the 90s, we're, we're, we're going to need to call uh someone at at rotten tomatoes and ask what what they're doing brad where are we at well uh ethan get your phone out uh you might want to start dialing uh the good people at rotten tomatoes because this is a 92 this is a 92 mike wins with his uh with his 85 (laughs) all right so let's let's have this conversation what in the good holy hell is this movie doing at 92%? I've held back. I've tried to be as, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the host here, right? Like I bring up the topics. I want to drive discussion. Now is the time for me to say, why is this movie in existence? Like I, it, maybe I've missed the point, but at the end of this hour and 43 minutes, I could not find a significant reason why this movie got made. I didn't feel that it told me anything. I didn't feel like it asked me anything. I didn't think it answered anything. What the hell? How is this a 92? Someone help me out or just pile on. So uh, I'll, I'll tackle this a little bit because I can be, I can pay, play both sides of the fence on this one. Um, I agree with your assessment in my last viewing of this film as a 40 man uh, being 20 years removed and not really kind of being in that world and remembering what those students go through on a basis. Um, it, it didn't mean as much to me. Uh, I also watched it with two other guys that uh, um, I don't know. This isn't the type of film sit around with a couple of dudes and watch so you know it made it a little bit more uncomfortable for me and I got done and it was kind of like eh 
sorry guys sorry i kind of feel like we wasted our time that was my attitude after watching it this time uh ranked 63 movies i think now with election because we've done 64 but i have not ranked miracle um uh and the at 48 for me so definitely bottom bottom part of the list um but let me tell you why this was better for me and why i think it comes into the 92 so um i think that there are some points in this that ethan you said i think are easy to miss um I was in high school. I was I graduated the same year that this came out. So this really kind of hit home. Um, this was sort of a sort of around this time. This was when this a uh, more of a societal topic, I guess. So it really hit home some of the nuances of this, and it didn't really come out and smack you in the face with it. Obviously, you realize, you know there was an inappropriate relationship between a teacher and a student. Um, I noticed that they, if correct me if I'm wrong, but it never showed them having sex with each other. And it was never said that they had sex with each other. So it kind of walked that line of, he wrote her a letter, you know, I want to be with you. He said, we're in love. Uh, they talked about kissing and different things like that. It showed them kissing, but like they really walked this line of like, um, you know, where do we go with this? It kind of talked about how it can affect some students negatively. It, it didn't really seem to affect her in any kind of way. If obviously messed with his career, buddy's career. And there was a, just a lot of different nuances that I think it touched on and it touched on well, because it didn't just, how do I say it? It didn't paint the picture for you. It basically went through what life would have been like for the time. And then you draw your own conclusions. You know, a lot of times I think a movie like this, you walk away from and you're like, it was a piece of shit or what was wrong with this student or like best painted the life in times of these people going through these things. And I think that's the part that they did really well. Um, I also a few scenes in this where same time, a couple of us in the room were like, this reminds me of um, Arrested Development, the way they were filming the camera stuff that they did. Um, and obviously Arrested Development is, is really, really uh, well crit critically acclaimed. And, you know, I think it had a few pieces of that. So there's there's some artistic stuff that they do. You know, that stuff was good. The stuff that didn't age as well. Um, I don't know, like the, Chris Klein's character just kind of annoyed the crap out of me. Um, you know, because you get these like this guy you want to like at the same time, you know, he's throwing out lines like, I'd go to my girlfriend's for a hot dog and a fuck or something, you know, like it was just this like, okay, he's part womanizer. He's part youth group kid. He's part, I mean, so again, that makes sense. There's probably, we can all point to kids in our school that are like this. So to me, you know, I, I don't think I'm a great job of articulating some of the good parts of this. And at the same time, I can tell you why it came in at 
48 on my list. Um, I think it depends on your age. I think it depends on where you were at when you watched it, who you watched it with. Um, but if I were going to score this myself uh, w- without the list, I think it would have been in the low 80s. So, you know, 92 is higher than uh, I would have put it, but it's not as far a stretch for me as as you when you're saying, like, how the hell does this get to 92? So I, I want to hear some of the things you don't like about same time um then maybe i can uh retort a little bit with some of the things that uh maybe one of the three of us might have noticed that the others didn't or you know maybe a couple of us did so yeah we can get into your opinions then too i would just say on that brad the thing that you said in there that makes the most sense to me is this came out the year that you graduated so there's probably a portion of this uh, at least as you reflected back on it, that there's some nostalgia stuff and it takes you back to that certain time in your life. Um, and certainly as a sucker for those things, um, you know, I, I definitely can can appreciate how that can bring some additional value to it. Um, I think for me, and, you know, as you mentioned it now, having seen it twice, you're you're probably more right than I thought about the subtleties of some of the ways that they did things. But I just found it when I watched it last year for the first time. So granted, it came out in 99. I watched it 22 years after it came out. Um, I just found it to be wildly inappropriate the way that they addressed stuff. Um, And that could be, again, a a result of the fact that I'm watching this 22 years after it came out. And if that's the case, I'm glad we have moved that far forward in society that it's hard for me to see a movie like this being made today. But I think you raise a valid point, which is that some of that or maybe most of that might be me projecting my values and my value outrage, so to speak, onto the movie more so than the way that the movie portrayed it. I think the biggest thing, like where I I started at and then it just gave me the opportunity to like keep disliking it more and more as we went on is that the movie never gave me anyone that I wanted to get to know more or that I wanted to be on the side of. And and like, I mean, there's movies out there that are about terrible people. Like my favorite movie all time is about fight club. That that guy's a bad guy, but he, you know, Tyler Durden is maybe, you know, one of the most charismatic characters in movie history, right? Like you can't take your eyes off the screen when he walks on the screen. This is, Matthew Broderick, like, dude, your buddy at worst had sex with a high schooler at best only kissed one. Like, what? Like, where is your allegiance at? Because I wouldn't have that allegiance. If that was my friend, I'd be like, you know, flip the double birds, you know, go live your life wherever you're going to live, dude. But you and I are never talking again. That's not cool. You can't do that with a minor. That's not okay. So, like, I didn't understand his, like, hate for her because your friend did deserve to, like, have his life blown up for this decision. I didn't like her. Like, I agree with you. I didn't really like Chris Klein. And then as the movie went on, then it was like, oh, now Matthew Broderick's cheating on his wife. Now he's still pissed about this girl all these years later when he sees her. And then just that final shot, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but, like, he refuses to call the little girl when he's giving the tour because he reminds she reminds him of Reese Witherspoon. So now you're just vengeful against a little girl in a museum. Like that's the topper. The topper is that you didn't learn anything from this experience. You took no life lesson from it. 
you now hate this little girl because she looks like Reese. Like just no part of it was like, there's the moment that it just, I didn't like him. I didn't like her. I didn't like anybody. And it just made it just drag for me to watch it because I didn't want any of them to succeed. And I guess they didn't. I mean, she ends up wherever she ends up, but it just, I couldn't buy into any of it. And I think the other thing too, that I didn't mention that I really like about this movie is everything that happens in it happens for a reason. There isn't a single thing that, well, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of things in this movie that happen and then come full circle later on. And you're like, oh, okay. Like something as simple as he misses the trash can when he's throwing that food away. And it's the janitor who finds the stuff in the can that, you know, takes it to the principal. Um, Little things like, you know, he's going to cheat on his wife at this hotel and he's getting the room. And then later on after, his life is falling apart. The hotel guy's like, you want the same room? You know, like there's just, you know, the bee sting, the interactions with the student and like how you treat people this day, how it can come back to bite you in the butt a week later. You know, like it's just a lot of stuff that I think was really well done in there that um, can. But I understand the dislike for it. Like I said, I'm not I'm not dying on this hill. I put it at 48, but I think there's a lot of things in here that um uh, could easily, especially if you're watching it through the lens of, I don't like this and I don't think I'm going to like this. And I think that it's one of those movies that's easy to get, um, sucked into. This is definitely, you know, I think we all said this last couple of weeks or, uh, maybe not the, the peak of existence, uh, for films that we've run through, but, um, this one at least definitely brought up, uh, some more conversation, <laughs> than, last week's trip uh, through Nazi killer lane. Um, and, and those are Nazis that kill people, not, you know, Nazi eliminators. Uh, if you listen to last week's episode, um, let's wrap it up then guys, let's do favorite line, favorite scene from election. Uh, I will, I'll kick it off. Uh, my favorite line, the, the line that made me laugh the most. Um, I, I didn't have a ton, but uh, it's as they're counting the ballots right before uh, we get to, um, you know, him kind of changing the results uh, when he just looks over and says, you know, Larry, not electing the fucking Pope here. Just tell me who won. And I just the fact I think it was because I have also never seen Matthew McConaughey or God bless me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> I've seen Matthew McConaughey do plenty of R-rated movies. I've never seen Matthew Broderick do an R-rated movie. And uh, just the which this very r-rated uh also we didn't even get into that you know i i said i was shocked at how r-rated pretty woman was (laughs) that had nothing on election um but it wasn't what i expected out of ferris bueller and uh he he did deliver that line and a few other lines pretty well uh in in the in the vein of what this movie was so that was my favorite line uh, him uh, asking larry for the results I don't have a backup, so I'm just going to say that was 100% my favorite line. And so uh, I, I will second your favorite line. <clears throat> Excuse me. My favorite line was uh, towards the end of the movie when uh, he's, in, uh, he's at his new job and he's standing outside and he sees her. Um, and then he starts kind of walking through like, I hope she doesn't see me. And then his confidence is growing and then uh, it, it culminates with, and who the fuck does she think she is? And then chucking the milkshake at the car uh, or the drink at the car, whatever it was, um, that 
that whole scene. Um, so spoiler alert, that's also my favorite scene that delivered my favorite line. Um, because I just like how it, it all again, again, in this film comes full circle. And I thought of like six more examples of the smart writing in this that I, I could have touched on, but I think, um, you know, that point was kind of hammered home a little bit, but, um, there's several stuff even there towards the end that, um, all harkens back to something earlier in the movie. So, um, yeah, well done there. So I, I shared my favorite scene. My my favorite scene to keep it uh, simple was the scene where they were counting the votes that came with uh, we're not electing the Pope here. I, I enjoyed that one. It made me laugh probably the most out of the entire movie. Well, and, and Brad, to your credit, there are people um, who <clears throat> are much more revered in the film industry than I am uh, that gave this movie a nomination for its writing. So, uh, you know, that that is a, a valid point that you have with um, how this movie played out. My favorite scene, probably the the vote thing. But if I had a second one, uh, just one that made me chuckle, it's the conversation between Matthew Broderick and Chris Klein about his favorite fruit and him trying to explain uh, that thing with him. And I think it's just because Chris Klein just does so well at playing dumb jock. And just watching him, just like you can see his brain almost exploding, just trying to answer the simple question of what his favorite fruit is. And I enjoyed that. It, it did make me chuckle. Talk about how underrated that scene was too, with the uh, assembly when he's announcing his he's that he's going to run for president, and they're giving their like speeches before the votes. And just the fact that you know Tracy Flick gives this really articulate like almost perfect speech and then he gets out there and he pulls out this paper and just you know basically reads it without any commas without any breaks without anything and it just again it's one of those like oh my god what is he doing and it's so uncomfortable but so well done and the way that the crowd doesn't react to it that's another one of those scenes where chris klein plays that so well i think you you called it dumb jock like again Play how that character should have given that that speech i think that he he nailed that the writer nailed it um that's another one of those scenes where it's not going to ever be my favorite but it, i won't forget it either because it's just it's weirdly uncomfortable agreed so that will wrap up our conversation guys again that was election next week we are going to wrap up the month of april with mike's pick and uh thank you mike uh, for coming coming through in the clutch, man, uh, breaking us out of a little mini slump here these last couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, really one of the all times uh, when it comes to the comedy genre, uh, especially um, like this generation uh, of comedy here. So forgetting Sarah Marshall is next week. This week was election. Uh, other than that, guys, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan. We'll see you next time.